This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of All Things Considered CX. I'm your host, Bob Asman, the founder of Innovative CX Solutions, a past chairperson of the CXPA, and a practitioner with many years of transforming global operations and designing better customer experiences. Together with our guests and listeners, we seek to discuss, challenge, and create new understanding about how to inspire better experiences in response to ever-changing customer expectations. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the All Things Considered CX podcast. I'm your host, Bob Asman. I'm excited, as always, to have guests on the podcast that are talking about pertinent uh, initiatives related to customer experience. But in particular, we're starting a series of podcasts, this being one of three, focused on the CXPA and the various initiatives and strategies that the CXPA is pursuing um, as the go-to industry professional organization. So we're really excited that uh, the chair of the board, Nancy Port, and uh, the CEO of the CXPA, Greg Melia, have agreed to do these podcasts with us. And our first guests today are Michelle and Heather, who are leading two initiatives that we'll get into in a few minutes. But first, I'd love to have Michelle first, and then Heather, introduce yourselves to our listeners. Hi, Bob. Thank you. I am an independent customer experience consultant. Your listeners can probably tell I'm based in the UK and I work with organizations of all sizes to help them grow by delighting their customers. Excellent. Thanks, Michelle and Heather. Yes, uh, thanks for having me. It's, it's actually pretty exciting to be here. Uh, my name is Heather Gilbanks. I am based in the U.S., uh, was in Texas for a very long time, but now live in Indiana. Uh, unlike Michelle, I am currently a CX practitioner, and uh, I, I currently am working for uh, a building products company. Prior to that, I worked for General Electric. And it's always great that we're able to have practitioners and consultants and sometimes business partners in the profession, join us on the podcast. So welcome to both Michelle and Heather. So let's start as we do all of our podcasts. We always love to hear about the journey that our guests have in um, becoming a CX professional. And the reason we say that is because oftentimes as young children, we don't wake up one day and say, we wanna be a CX professional. We, we probably wanna be something else. And so yet all of us here we are in the profession. So Heather, maybe you could start us off and give us a, a little bit of your career path and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, mine is definitely not a typical journey to CX. Um, I spent the majority of my career in IT. Um, but if I go back to the early 90s, I actually learned to lead consensus-based processes during my time as a chair of a, a community, actually, commission that was charged with uh, setting up the town plan for the next 20 years of that town. And then in the late 90s, I co-authored actually one of the best selling or most downloaded red books with Lotus IBM um, as part of the the Lotus um, Lotus Notes Domino platform 
but I was the collaboration technology expert and customer experience. And then I spent about 18 years at GE after my time with Lotus IBM. And really a lot of that was around best practice sharing, project management, Lean Six Sigma, um, entrepreneurship and lean startup and customer experience. But the, the way that I really got into customer experience is I was sitting on a conference call with a group from Teletalia. It was a 12 hour ordeal. And I had a lot of time to map out how far I was from the end customer who actually paid a bill. And having started my, my working career actually in a sales role, I always was very frustrated in the IT organization that we were not customer focused like I felt we should be. And so I, I started mapping out a plan for myself. I was 12 steps away from the customer. So my plan was to get a couple of steps closer each year until I was directly interacting with customers again. And it took me three or four years to get there, but that's how I ended up in customer experience. I had actually supported the NPS rollout at, at GE. Fred Reicheld actually came and helped us. Uh, he trained us all and, and helped roll it out at GE. Um, so I, I did sort of learn from the, the horse's mouth, as it were. But that was quite a long time back. And then in the intervening space, I did a whole bunch of other stuff. But I came back to CX when I had the opportunity to, to get back working with customers directly. So a bit of a circuitous route. <laughs> Indeed. So Heather, were you there during the Jack Welch workouts and so forth? Was that that era? So I joined the year that Jack retired. However, I did have the opportunity to work with Jack directly in a couple of different projects. Um, I helped co-found the IT audit program at GE. So I was kind of an internal consultant traipsing about um, helping people understand what was going on with their financials as it related to their IT systems. Um, so I, I got to work with Jack on that program, which was, he was an interesting guy. <laughs> That's a whole separate podcast. Yes, us, it right? is. Yes, it is. <laughs> Very good. Excellent. Thanks, Heather. And Michelle, how about your career journey? And Michelle, you're on mute. Uh, yeah, so I don't think Heather and I should try and compete on the most circuitous <laughs> route, but I think what's interesting and one of the reasons I believe we get on so well is that we have very similar backgrounds in many respects, and that gives us both skills outside of CX, which are business-oriented. So my own journey started when I graduated, and my very first substantive role was working on a project to improve product quality. But the means we took to improve product quality was listening to customers. And that means in 1992, I ran a voice of the customer project as a fresh face graduate, saved millions of pounds just in product returns. But in, re in terms of other benefits, uh, really opened the eyes of my employer to the power of customer experience. From there, I just like Heather, worked in other parts of the organisation, sometimes close to customers, sometimes far away, but always learning skills in change, in project management, in process design, in framework creation. And by pulling those things together all the way back to my original passion, I realised that what I want to do is help businesses, large and small, improve the way they serve their customers in order to make more money. So it's interesting to me, we, we sometimes think about career paths as vertical in nature, right? But you're talking about more of a zigzag career to arrive at your customer experience of today, which is, which is always fascinating to me of that, 
um, ability to see all the different components of an organization really prepare you well for what you're do, both doing today. Yeah, I, I just a little kind of anecdote. I was once working with a very big company and they got their senior leadership on stage. The senior leader came, stepped forward, said what they did today and then named all of the departments that they'd worked in. And there wasn't a single member of that leadership team who were excellent, but not a single member had come through that vertical route. They'd all zigzagged. They'd all experienced and seen the world through the perspectives of different departments. Yeah, one of the interesting things about Jack, actually, just to circle back on that, is that he was very fond of saying that great leaders must have finance, operations, and some technical knowledge, whatever that technical is, whether that's product, like Michelle's case, or IT in my case, or, you know, there's plenty of other ways to be technical. But yeah, that broad background, I think, is is really necessary to, to be a great leader, but also to run CX programs well. Absolutely. So true. And which brings us to the two of you as leaders on these major initiatives within the CXPA. So perhaps let's start with um, summarizing what the initiatives are, and then we'll deep dive into them as we proceed. So uh, Michelle, would you like to talk about your initiative first to get us started? Uh, Of course. So uh... I'm working on a project which we shorthand as the monograph series. And the reason for that is it's got the most ridiculously long title. I'll give you it once. We might run out of time. It is called Facilitating Customer Experience in Large Multi-Department Organizations. Working wow. With- that- yeah, <laughs> so you can really see you can see why nobody uses the name now. Right. <laughs> the monograph series. Um, I was introduced to Greg as a result of doing some work on voice of the customer and it became apparent that the CXPA had recognized that working cross-functionally is one of the biggest challenges for a CX professional whether they're an internal professional or a consultant and they were planning to put together a how-to guide on how to work with different organizations over time that's evolved into the monograph series and Basically, each function has a monograph, which helps give an introduction to the function for CX professionals and give an introduction to CX for that function. Excellent. And Heather, how about your initiative? Yes. Um, so I'll, I'll talk for a minute on kind of how it was born, and then I'll, I'll talk about how kind of what it is, because I think Michelle touched on that just a a little bit with hers. Uh, I posted a question on the CXPA forum, and it got hundreds of responses about, you know, is there a CX playbook out there? So then we started talking about, well, so there really isn't kind of a standard one. And having come from the project management world, I was familiar with the, the project management book of knowledge. So I said, well, what if we tried to create something like that? And so that that really is the the thought process behind it is that it would be similar in concept and nature to the project management uh, body or book of knowledge, uh, which really just means it's a it's a group of standard terminology and guidelines for CX professionals. Um, it is intended to evolve over time, so it's not uh, it's not a one and done kind of thing. It it 
can and should evolve over time. And if you compare it to the Project Management Book of Knowledge, it was, I think, first released in 1973, perhaps. And it took probably 25 years before it was really well-established, well-accepted within the profession as the guide. So, um, you know, people are like, well, how you know, how do you know that it's going to be good? Well, I hope it will be good, but it'll probably take some time, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) The idea is to document known best practices as, as we understand them today, so that we can really give people, pardon me, a foundation uh, so that current practitioners, consultants, and people who are aspiring to be either practitioners or consultants or business partners can build their knowledge base. You know, one of us might be an expert in change management, for example, but we might not know much about metrics. So the idea is that it would give you that broad, uh, broad introduction to topics. And then, you know, if you wanted to go deeper, you, you would go to additional sources. Um, we have organized it based on the CXPA's defined knowledge areas. So the whole document will be reflective of that. So Heather, tell me a little bit about um, how you're approaching this, this endeavor. It sounds pretty extensive. Mm-hmm. Um, how has how your approach been? How long have you been working on it? How do you look forward to, to the next phases? Yep. We kicked off in March of 2021, which seems like so, so long ago, um, (laughs) with a a group of 10 co-leaders. So there are five defined knowledge areas within the CXPA's framework. So what we did is we set up five sub-teams. Each team has co-leads and ideally, all except one, have a practitioner and a a consultant as the co-leads. And we did that intentionally so that we would get both perspectives from the leadership and then with, without, you know, throughout the project. So each of those subteams then has volunteers. Some of them we gave to them. Others have drummed up volunteers on their own. Uh, so we're up to about 60 volunteers the last time um, I counted. We have two sections that are substantially complete as far as uh, a first draft with some editing, and we have a third that's expected shortly, and the other two are coming coming soon to a theater near you. So um, each, each team, it's interesting to me that we gave everybody the same brief, but each team handled it differently. So some have worked on Google Docs, others have worked using Slack, for example. Some meet weekly, others are, are working asynchronously. And we didn't try to dictate any of that. Uh, that probably comes from my consensus-based background, honestly, that I said to people, if you need help, I'm here, but um, you know, run things the way that's going to work for you, just as long as we get to the goal. So, Excellent. <clears throat> And Michelle, tell us a little bit about the details of how you're making this happen with the monograph series. In in a very similar way, we're both working with volunteers and we're working with volunteers globally, but from a range of industries and very passionate, very capable people. Rather than, again, giving them any kind of mandate, I've helped people identify each other as co-workers and then determine how to work together I've had people go off write a monograph together in a couple of weeks I've had others who have um, gone away done a lot of research um, reviewed and brought things back together neither approach is wrong we've got teams who come to my fortnightly with meetings and I've teams who only hear from if I chase them so again it's very much 
letting people work in a style that suits them. What we have done is broken the monographs into tranches. So we're partway through tranche two now. We've learned a lot about the structure and how to work in tranche one. I did one thing differently to Heather because I'm an independent consultant. I have my own Microsoft 365 domain uh, tenant. And so I set up a group in there. So we do have a shared workspace which I have access to, which I think gives a little bit of security over data. But we, we, we learned from the first tranche and we're going into our second tranche. And when we launch our third group of monographs in a couple of months time, I, we will build on the lessons we've learned. I really like the approaches that each of you are taking. And it, it, that alone could be representative of of those individuals that want to initiate projects and uh, within their own organizations. One of the questions that comes to my mind is the CXPA has worked hard in the last few years to globalize its view of the world, so to speak, and to expand beyond being U.S. centric. How are you addressing the global nature and global differences that occur across um, all these cultures and CX is treated differently in different countries and different cultures. How do you incorporate that into the initiatives that you're talking about today? And maybe I'll start with Heather. Sure. Um, so globalization uh, was very important to me from the very beginning that we were inclusive. And in fact, one of our leadership teams is based in the Middle East. Uh, we have volunteers from as many continents as we could get. I think we have we have a couple of people from Africa, even nobody from Antarctica. There weren't any penguins willing to write, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but we uh, we have participation from North America, obviously, but also a lot from Europe and uh, and some from Australia, even. Um, so yeah, that was very important. The first draft will be in English, um, but we have the intent to uh, to offer it in additional languages over time. And just one other thing on inclusivity, we actually spent a fair bit of time as a team putting together something we call the style guide. And one of the sections in there was about inclusive language. So uh, we we have a list of sort of words that we don't encourage people to use or we, we say, you know, so... Uh, for example, in, instead of saying something like blacklisted, we might say uh, is not allowed so that mm -hmm. we're we're not using terminology which could be considered uh, disturbing to some folks. Mm -hmm. Was that challenging in, initially to kind of break the, the pattern, perhaps? Um, I haven't heard any feedback on that from the teams that they that they've had a challenge with that. We had a lot of discussion about were we being inclusive enough in terms of the the list of things. Mm -hmm. um, we, we tried to think about you know what are all of the things that that people could consider otherness, and tried to include all of those. So it's it's everything from you know orientation to uh, gender and uh, race, language, religion, all of those kinds of things. Um, 
and so we we came up with a list kind of together. We also talked about unintentional bias, trying to avoid the use of bias, assumptive phrases, so things like turn a blind eye or turn a deaf ear, right? That becomes mm-hmm. an ability-related phrase. So we we did some discussion about that as a team early on. So that's kind of one kind of inclusivity. And then we've got the global nature of inclusivity. And then we tried to make sure as well that we had a good cross-section in terms of, we've got a couple people. So uh, Munir, uh, one of our co-leads, actually runs his own firm. And then we've got others who work for larger firms. And then we've got others who are practitioners. So we tried to really get a good cross-section so that it wouldn't be a single view, if that makes sense. It does. I'm just thinking to myself that doing a single playbook within a single organization can be a challenge. Doing it across cultures, across organizations, that's really got to be a challenge. So actually, if I can address that for a second, it's sure. not a it's it's not a playbook. Although the original question was about a playbook, the body of knowledge is a little bit different. And the difference is this. A, play, a playbook is something that you can hand to someone and say, this is how we do it here. Go do these 10 things. These are the 10 things that we do it and how we do it. The book of knowledge is a little bit different in that we are trying to help people understand what are some of the... Uh, possible of those 10 things. So there may be five different ways to do those 10 things. So we want to make sure that we are presenting as many of those as are currently considered best practices so that we are not uh, being prescriptive. We're, we're trying to give people a good introduction as opposed to something that they can just turn around and, and immediately implement in their organization. It will take an additional layer of thoughtfulness and strategy on the part of, of the implementer but um, it will more likely be a good culture fit if you do it that way rather than being prescriptive. So as a practitioner, Heather, as a CX professional working in an organization, then I can use this book of knowledge and, and I'll say, well, this, this doesn't apply to me, but this does, or this is similar to the situation I'm having. And then I can pursue those best practices. Yes. That's excellent. Uh, Michelle, same question to you about globalization, cross-culture, diversity, inclusivity in your initiative. Well, I I have to just say we stole Heather's style guide and all of the amazing (laughs) content in there. That that was a very easy decision for me to take. Um, By having a volunteers from a global organization, we have volunteers from, just as Heather said, every continent except Antarctica, obviously, we have therefore ensured that we have as many people as possible in each team from as many countries as possible or as many regions as possible to help understand cultural differences. The feedback that I get from the teams is that the bigger difference is often across industries. And we see, say, a B2B business, a B2C business taking a very different approach to um, working with marketing to the way a healthcare organisation would. So we have given guidance and encouraged through reviews, understanding of how things differ between different industries, between different regions and cultures where that's applicable but but yeah like I say it's often very much um, a manufacturing industry does this completely differently to a SaaS industry. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just have to add a personal note here it's been several years since I was 
on the board and, and leading efforts. It's just does my heart good to hear how far we've come in globalizing the CXPA. Sometimes it might not feel that way, but where we were just a few short years ago and where we are today is, is truly encouraging to me. And I'm sure that the CXPA membership as well, the, the efforts around globalization and diversity and inclusivity is just really uh, inspiring to me. And, and having leaders like you on these initiatives is equally as inspiring. So take me out a year from now, a year and a half. I don't want to put a time frame around it, but kind of take me out to the, you know, uh, to Stephen Covey's begin with the end in mind. And, and what do you see out there a year from now, or whatever your time frame is around these two initiatives and what you hope to have achieved and can look back and smile on? Michelle? Well, I, I think the thing is, Bob, I, I wouldn't call this an initiative. It, it's not even really a project. I'm working on the initial phase of an ongoing collection of thoughts and ideas, mm. j- just like the Book of Knowledge. And in a year's time, we will be reviewing and revising, taking on board feedback and thoughts from a broader range of people to keep the monograph series up to date and to just continually ensure that we're giving the right kind of guidance and ideas to to our practitioners. And, and just a thought on inclusion, and it's just suddenly struck me. One thing that I think people do when they're working in a cross-functional organisation is they have a us and them. Our job's harder. Our job's more important. We generate more value. Th- those kind of thoughts. One of the things we've done on the monograph series is a very clear guidance we gave was the monographs have to be as readable by people in the departments or functions we're talking about as they are by CX practitioners. And the reason I just wanted to mention that is because in a year's time, I would love to be having more authors who are not actually CX practitioners, but are, as you said at the start of the call, those department heads, those people who work with CX practitioners and building their thoughts and their guidance into the monograph series. Mm-hmm. You know, I really love hearing how both of you are talking about these are agile. This is agile work that you're doing, right? It, it's not a point in time where it's done and, you know, you can rub your hands together and say, okay, let's move on to something else. But that these have a a life and these are going to develop over time and they're going to continue to develop. And so that agile approach to these is really, uh, really pretty important uh, moving forward. It's not static anymore. It's dynamic. And Heather. Yeah, I I think that dynamic nature is really, really important. Uh, I don't think we can emphasize that enough. We are not accounting that was invented in the 14th century, right? We are customer experience, something that is just a titch newer than that. And so we're still evolving. We're still learning. and, and honestly, I mean, if you think about something even as as well entrenched as project management that's been around for decades longer, they're still revising their documents. So I, I do think it's important for us to, to keep that longer horizon. But that being said, we do have a target of CX Day in 2022 to have the first edition, let's call it that, of the uh, the Book of Knowledge available um, 
for in some form or fashion. We haven't a hundred percent figured out whether that's going to be digital. Is it going to be in print? We know it will be in digital form, but or will there also be a print version? Or exactly how is it going to come about? But um, that is the the goal right now is to get it out there for CX Day. Wonderful. Uh, thank you both for talking about these important elements for the CXPA and and the CX profession moving forward. Um, and I'm sure, uh, listeners, if you stay tuned to cxpa.org, and um, you'll you'll be able to follow along as these continue to develop and and are uh, available um, to you. Hey, Bob, if I could just give a plug for for both programs, uh, I believe there will be opportunity for peer review for both programs. So if you see that pop up and you want to contribute or you want to do a review, please, you know, you don't have to be a special person. We're all just regular people (laughs) (laughs) who are doing these programs. (laughs) Right. So so our time always goes so fast and and you two have been wonderful to explain the Book of Knowledge and the Monograph series. Uh, before we go, I just w- would love to get your perspective on the CX profession in general, experience management. We've been through a lot. Um, and just your view of where we're at from your perspective and where we're headed um, would be beneficial. I ask this of all of our guests and our listeners appreciate your perspective. So Heather, I'll start with you and then Michelle um, to follow. It's an interesting question. So uh, I think CX as a profession is gaining some traction. I do have concerns about the number of roles like people who fold shirts at a retail outlet being called customer experience managers. But uh, that kind of conflation aside, I think it is growing it's important. It is gaining traction in the C-suite, at least where I've seen C-suites. Uh, so I, I think the best is yet to come for us. And Michelle? I, 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 I agree with Heather. And what I'd like to say is that we see a lot of thought leaders um, talking about CX is dead or CX is going backwards and, and so on and so on. And having worked with practitioners like Heather or when I'm judging and seeing the contributions made by people, not just to the profession, but to their own businesses. I think CX is a really exciting field with so much potential. Heather's absolutely right. The best is yet to come, but I wouldn't by any means want to suggest that what has happened so far hasn't been excellent. I mean, I, I love the I love the analogy you drew there, Heather, when you were talking about uh, accountancy born in the 14th century. We've got a shorter history, so we're going to have what's going to be in our teething period. But I still think that the people in the industry are amazing to know, and I love working with the volunteers on the monograph series. Excellent. Thank you both for your perspectives. Heather and Michelle, uh, we really appreciate you participating in this series of podcasts focused on the CXPA and the advancements being made within the organization uh, on things like the Book of Knowledge and the Monograph series. Listeners, this has been another edition of the All Things Considered CX podcast. If you've enjoyed this, please share it with your network. And as always, stay tuned for our additional series with CXPA and other guests joining us on the podcast. Thank you. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of All Things Considered CX. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your colleagues. Subscribe to our show, follow me on LinkedIn, and visit my website at InnovativeCX.com for more insights on creating better experiences. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit CXofM.org for more resources.